less stress, more time, more money. Welcome to the Cash Flow Contractor interview. Buenos dias. <laughs> Buenos dias, amigo, amigo. I'm trying to think of what to say, and Buenos dias is how it starts. Yeah. Um, Problem is, that's also where my Spanish ends. <laughs> that's the, that's the bad part. Yeah. Now I know how to ask where the bathrooms are, and I do know if it ever comes up. Donde está el perro? Está afuera. Lo puse afuera hace una hora. Perro is what? Dog. Dog. Where Where's is the, the dog? dog? I put him out about an hour ago. <laughs> I learned that. It sounds really cool, but you have to, you have to, that exact situation has to come up. <laughs> yeah. 45 minutes ago, I can't even use it, right? <laughs> Somebody has to ask me where the dog is. That's so, great. Anyway, sounds like I know Spanish. Yeah. A little bit. That's great. Um, you have a good weekend? Uh, did I? What did I do? Yeah. Every, every weekend is good. Every weekend's a good weekend. Yeah, so are the weeks. You know, that's one thing. People listening, if you hate Mondays, fix Something's it. Something's wrong. Fix it. Yeah. Either get the hell out of doing what you're doing or fix it where you don't. Because uh, a lot of years in my working life, I dreaded Mondays. And I don't. Is that old saying, thank God it's Monday? <laughs> you know, uh, really. Yeah. If you hate Mondays, fix it. Don't put up with that. Yeah, I, I look forward to Mondays. Um, it's an opportunity to start the week strong. And yeah, it's just, I mean, you should like what you're doing. Not every single day. Every That's Pollyanna stuff. But yeah, but fix it. You know, it's it's actually weird that we're recording on a Monday. Um, we're talking about I didn't the power even know of, this was a Monday. <laughs> uh, we're talking about the power of content today. Yeah. And we're actually working on our content. Oh, wait a minute here. Speak. You said content. I thought we were talking about content. Oh, yeah. <laughs> huh? Did I, someone that was pretty it like good. that. Yeah. Now, um, we've been slacking a little bit. Or we. I, it's just caught up to us. But we're going to be talking about content today. We'll mention a backlog. But we need a backlog of episodes so that right. we're not just recording and then publishing. But we can have some um, lead time. On. So we're just going to admit that and put it out there. Yeah. Wait. You think, can you cut that part? <laughs> okay. No, but it's, uh, it's harder whenever you don't have that lead time. Uh, puts a lot more stress on Ethan, Whitney, um, new intern just near working on show notes, mm -hmm. Jenny sometimes. So, um, so it's, it's all the people in the us. background that are making this happen, it's a lot harder. So um, good to get content backlogged. We'll talk about that later, but right. what do you know about content, Martin? <laughs> a lot more than I used to know. Um, I think the first thing to do, and I'll throw it back at you, what the hell is content? We hear about it all the time nowadays, but what is it? Well, content for most business owners, most uh, contractors, it's in their head. Um, it's the thoughts, the ideas, the knowledge, the expertise, the frameworks, the processes, everything they've gathered over time that they usually are educating employees on, educating um, leads on, customers on, all that knowledge that they share whenever they get asked a question is their content. And uh, content in the terms that we're talking about is really how you're actually sharing that content. So they can be shared through phone calls, through conversations, through video, through podcasts, articles, social media posts, website copywriting. 
It's the stuff you put out. It's the stuff you put out. Right. That's correct. So um, a lot of people are reluctant to get started on content, but when you get down to a one-on-one situation, they're usually more comfortable, especially salespeople, business owners, managers, those kinds of things. Uh, but really, everybody has an opinion. Everybody has an idea of how things work and their own viewpoint, uh, but they don't share it as often as they probably should. They miss out on the power of it. Uh, they experience it in doses, but not on a on scale. So, yeah. What? Yeah, I think it's uh, when you think about it, just in real pedestrian terms, you've got a website. <clears throat> what's on it besides? Yeah. What's that? Note four hundred four or something like that, <laughs> or under construction. Yeah. You know what goes on there? What goes on there is web is content, and like you said, it yeah, can be it's not just pictures, your articles. Yeah. Right. It's, everywhere. It's not just your website. It's, you know, hey, we're going to hire this person to post on social media for us. Well, what are they going to post? Right. That's the content. Um, you know, we're going to take photos of this job. Well, that's content. Um, even like pamphlets, business cards, uh, brochures, events, whatever, it all has to have content. And what's interesting about content is that we all consume it, you know whether you're watching YouTube, listening to this podcast, you're consuming content, whether you're you know, scrolling through social media, you're consuming content. And something that you have to be careful about is that you don't become just a consumer, but you also become a creator. Um, and, and what percentage of the people that you work with, are, well, by the time you're working with them, that's part of it. But that is a water bottle, I'm sorry. I always make strange sounds. Too much. <laughs> no, I mean, at the, end, at the end of the day, the percentages are going to vary based on who you're talking to and what industry they're in and what channels they're on. And we'll talk about some of that stuff here in a little bit. But um, I would say it's a very small majority of... Majority the, or minority? Or min, very small percentage of the, the channel is going to be creators right. versus um, consumers. I mean, if you just look at Facebook, for example, I mean, maybe Facebook's a bad one because it's more personal. But if you look at LinkedIn, for example, I think it was like... One percent of people post that are that right. are actual uh, by posting you mean put out content on there yeah yep. that are putting content on there and then I think it's even like you know ten percent of that one percent post weekly or something like that I mean it's it's very very low content can make it easy for you to stand out and give you a tremendous competitive advantages as we'll talk yeah but why is it that people don't do it I have. A one-word answer. Uh, Two words. I, I think there's there's several reasons. Uh, I think it comes down to belief in themselves, head trash. They don't think that what they have to share, the content that they could provide, um, is is valuable. Uh, no one wants to hear it or, or see it. I think another aspect of it is just habits and and you know making it a part of their routine. And then I think another aspect of it is really just making time for it and not seeing the value in it. Because if they saw the value in it, then they would make time for it. Yeah, I think you're a little deeper on that. So I, I agree with everything you said, but I kind of synopsize it. It's hard. Oh, it's... I it's, mean, that goes without saying what, everything you mentioned, but it's just hard if you decide you want to write something. You know, what are you going to write? You got to sit down and write it. Yeah, but at the same time, the hardest part is getting started. Mm-hmm. Just like with anything. The hardest part of starting a business is taking the leap and just doing it. The hardest part about working out is showing up. 
the hardest part of taking an ice bath like I'm doing is all the anxiety that you get leading up to getting in the ice bath. But after the 10 seconds, the first 10 seconds, you're like, okay, I can do this. You know, um, I'm going through 75 hard right now. And as soon as I get into my workout, it's awesome. Mm-hmm. It's all the time that leads up to it that, you know, just sucks because you don't want to get started. But once you get started, it's fine. For me, it's feet on floor. When the alarm goes off 530, if I can turn around, put my feet on the floor, I got fine. it. I mean, it's doesn't mean I'm not dreading it a little bit, but I got it. It's <laughs> yeah. feet on floor. Feet on floor. Absolutely. And I, I, I mean, that's how it is with content. We sit here and we think, what are we going to talk about? And last week we had a brainstorming session and came up with 20 topics in like 20 minutes. Right. <laughs> so it, it's all about just getting started. Um, and that, and that uh, I, I think you're going to got this on your list of things too, but if you're a contractor and you're not a writer and you're not a creator, you still have the information. Maybe you're not the one who actually writes or does the video or takes the photograph. Sure. But it needs to be done. Yeah, and that's just all about your process and your system and for how things get done. Um, it's not It's not the same for everyone. And you have to be strategic in how you approach that. If you are very good with your voice but not very good with your written word, then you should probably choose something, choose a channel or a medium that is plays into your strengths. Start a podcast, get on video, you know? Uh, and don't write blogs or and we'll talk about this later but there's there's ways of repurposing content as well Mm -hmm. like we're recording these podcasts with our voice but on the back end someone's writing descriptions of these someone's making social posts of all these things someone's making graphics of all these things I'm not strong in all that all those areas you know and we could do those things but we don't have time for it and the same things that happen for a contractor they have knowledge they're, they've gone out and started a company and created systems and processes inside their business and have opinions and are de- making decisions constantly. They are a great resource for content, but it doesn't mean that they're going to be the best person to get it out in all the different mediums. So what's the purpose of content? Well, it serves many purposes. Uh, really, it goes back to the buyer's journey, right? So if you think about the buyer's journey... It's a process uh, that is made up of research to make a decision. So a buyer is gonna go through the three stages, awareness, consideration, and decision. During the awareness stage, they're doing research. That research is to define their problem or their opportunity. During the consideration stage, they're also doing research. And that is to find solutions to the problem or opportunity that they defined. And then in the decision stage, they're also doing research to figure out where they're going to make a decision on the solution for the problem or opportunity they define. So example, um, common example is that, man, I'm feeling sick. I've got a headache, sore throat, maybe a slight fever, just low energy. I wonder what's going on. Well, there's a lot of different ways that you can find out what's going on, but you are in the awareness stage. So you're doing research to define this problem that you have. And that could be that you are Uh, You're going to go to the doctor or you're going to call your buddy who is a doctor or you're going to go to WebMD and search Google for your symptoms. Uh, But you're going to go and find research on on what's going on uh, so that you can define the the problem. You define your problem as, man, I've got strep throat. 
Okay, what do I need to do now? What are my solutions to strep throat? Do I need to buy medicine? Do I need to go to uh, a doctor to get a prescription? Do I, should I go to work? Should I not go to work? Do I need to sleep more? Uh, how should, should I rest? Should I go to this event? You've got all these decisions that you're making trying to find solutions to and uh, based on the problem that you defined. So now you figure out, okay, I've got strep throat. My solution is to go to the doctor uh, and get a prescription. Now I need to make a decision. There's several decisions you're going to make. Am I going to my primary care if there's an appointment open? Or am I going to the urgent care? Or am I going to the emergency room? you got to decide all those things, but then you've also got to decide where am I going to get the medicine? Am I going to go to Walgreens, pharmacy, uh, CVS, wherever, right? So those are all of the areas that you're doing research. Well, what's going to allow you to do that research? Somebody's content Somebody's that content. they put up and made available. But I want to be clear that that content isn't always like a blog article or a podcast. I'm not going to, if I have strep throat, I'm not going to go listen to a podcast on strep throat, right? I'm going to call a friend. I'm going to go to urgent care. I'm going to talk to my doctor, right? It, those are the ways that I'm going to find that stuff out. So content has many different mediums that it can be, uh, you know, powered through. But at the end of the day, it's content. Um, so the, the purpose of content will always vary. Maybe it's to entertain. Maybe it's to drive awareness. Maybe it's to help you find solutions. Maybe it's to help you make a decision. Maybe it's to promote an event. Maybe it's to sell a product. Content is going to have many different purposes. But at the end of the day, content needs to be engaging. It needs to be relevant. It needs to be contextual. And some would argue it needs to be atten attention-grabbing, entertaining, um, you know, that, that can, that's debatable depending on what type of content is, but good content is engaging, entertaining, and, uh, going to keep people's attention. It's going to call people to action. Typically, uh, it's going to excite people and be contextual to what they're interested in. So that, that's what the power of content is. Uh, it's all of those areas of contextuality, um, you know, relevance, engaging, attention grabbing, entertaining. So, yeah. Those, all those things you just listened, if I'm a contractor out there, professional contractor, been doing it for 30 years, 20 years, it's a tall order um, to be engaging. And um, so how, how do you suggest people, um, what's, what's an area to get started in and how the hell can they do it? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I know because I've done it for my own business and it started right. out, I think at your behest, four or five years ago, start writing articles. Right. Well, I did. Now, I'm not sure everybody wants to do that. Uh, right. Well, I mean, we, we'll go back to specifically your situation, right? You had a pretty decent sized email list at the time of people that you were inviting to all these events. You were already teaching at these events. So you had a lot of content in the form of slideshows, things like that. Um, you're, you are a good writer. You've written, you know, dozens and dozens of articles and you have a book that you wrote, The Profit Problem. They say I make money, so why don't I have any <laughs> available at Amazon and any of your local bookstores? <laughs> um, so we looked at what are your strengths. We looked at what can you do. You can keep your email list engaged. Um, and you have a lot of knowledge on business topics that can rank well on Google. So we decided articles for you, right? 
and articles are a great medium because they help with SEO and they enable sales teams and can be used in emails and lots of different reasons. Um, also, for for you, it wasn't difficult for you to say, "Okay, I'm going to write one article a week." You know, you you were able it to take that on. Really difficult. No, you got. I did take it on, but <laughs> once you got it, right, once it, you got into a role, you used to take three days to write an article. Now it takes a couple hours. Yeah, it, and the quality is like going straight down. You know? <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean it's like that with anything, though. No, I mean, true. There's a learning curve. There's a, there's a learning curve, and so I think if you're going to start working on con- you've made a decision. I'm going to start working on content. There's a few factors that you definitely need to consider. One is who are you targeting, right? Who is this content for? Most important question in marketing. Who Absolutely. am I talking to? And you can come up with a lot of frameworks. You know, it can be you can use buyer personas. You can use ideal customer profiles, and those are great things to to work on. Uh, but at the end of the day, just answer the question: Who am I talking to with this? Who am I targeting? The next thing that you really want to consider is what are the primary channels that you want to be on, right? So you know that if you're targeting, um, you know, B2C company or people, that's your target audience, maybe homeowners, for example, then you probably want to be where homeowners spend time. You want to be on those channels. So probably Instagram, Facebook, potentially Twitter. Um, It's not always great for local audiences, but that, that could be an option. And then the next thing that you want to think about is how are you going to approach those channels? Maybe you're going to look at the competitive landscape. What are the my competitors doing on this channel? So we're targeting, we're going to do IG and we're targeting homeowners. Instagram is IG, sorry. Um, then what are all my competitors doing on Instagram? How are they approaching our target audience? Are they having success with it? You can base it on the engagement that they're seeing uh, maybe based on if you know how well they're doing in the market. Um, there's a lot of different ways to know that. But are they having success with those? And what are some different ways that I can approach this channel? Maybe all your competitors are posting really great photos on Instagram. Well, nobody's doing video. What if you did video, right? Man, they have really good uh, project pictures during the project, but they don't have before and afters posted or videos of the projects. So that would be another way that you could approach the channel. But thinking about, man, what, how can I approach this channel uh, to target my homeowner, but also to be unique and to be myself? And that's where you have to also ask yourself on this you know, Instagram, what medium is going to suit me best? Is it taking photographs? Well, I don't have a camera and I hate taking pictures and I don't have time to take pictures. I also don't have a budget for photography. So maybe that's not a good one. I can record myself on my cell phone making videos talking through the project throughout the entire process and just posting some easy before and afters on my on my phone and I feel comfortable doing that or my salesperson is actually really good at that kind of stuff and they would be able to do it. So just looking at the resources, the strengths that you have available to you and then going on the channel and, and targeting in that way. Um, so. Those are the main things. From there, you also want to consider, yeah, who are you talking to? So what do they care about? What are the questions they have? What are the mistakes that they make? What are the goals that they have? Uh, What are they trying to avoid? What obstacles are coming up all the time? What challenges do they have? Um, You know, what are they interested in? There's, There's so many different things to think about on those topics. But if you are a business owner that's spent any time with customers, those things should come pretty naturally. Those are the things that you're getting emails about that you're getting calls about, 
that during your sales process are the common objections. Those are things that you want to talk about. You know, uh, coincidentally, I had a coaching session this morning with a man from New York, and uh, we were talking about that very topic. And where he is, being a, a member of the Better Business Bureau is important. Um, I don't know that it's important everywhere, but it, but it is there. And he said the, ba the easiest way to get content is go look at his competitors. Yeah. Because they're, I mean, it so happens that he's got really good, whatever they call it, but comments, and it's, a lot of his competitors don't. So all he has to do is look at what people are complaining about. Wasn't on time, didn't call back, didn't fix the problem. Morty, I can't get a hold of him, he wouldn't refund my money. Just look at all those things and address them. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's so many different strategies for creating content. And honestly, this is where a lot of people get caught in the weeds and they start thinking about a strategy rather than just executing. And the truth of the matter is, just start creating content and you'll find out real quick if people like it, if people don't like it, if it's resonating, if it's helping generate business, if it's, you know, working for you or not. And then you'll be able to tailor your content over the course of time based upon the feedback that you get. Um, so don't, don't overdo it. We can spend a lot of time planning and planning and planning. And yeah, sure, maybe that's good for, you know, if you're manufacturing cabinets and you need to, you know, measure twice, cut once. But when it comes to content, when it comes to marketing, it's better just to measure once or measure never and then Boy, I say cut, better off know. having a hook in the water even if it's the wrong lure yeah you might snag something yeah but you don't leave it that way you know you can wait I'm, I keep my own buyer's journey not buyer's journey but my own marketing journey um, I just look at it and I think of the many clients I've had and them doing it's not there are people who are predisposed to do this stuff they like it they're on LinkedIn, they're on Facebook, they're on Instagram, they like, and then there are probably the vast majority who just don't. Yeah. <laughs> and you're rattling off all the uh, social media channels that you can go through and then make videos and put up a YouTube channel and they're just going, my God, what I gotta really do is get the forms up so we can pour concrete tomorrow, yeah. right? So. It's, it's just brutally important, vitally important that, that you do have marketing. Even today, the, in most industries and in most areas, the opportunity to stand out is still there because so very few people do marketing really well. Yeah. And you can claim the territory, get started and get better and better. But this isn't a shameless plug for you at Benali, but it is, I wrote an article several years ago that get a professional to do it for you. If you're freaking, if you, if you sounds like you want to do this stuff and you have fun, I have one Carrie who was on, he loves it. Yeah. He likes to do it. Okay, do it. But if that's not you, hire somebody. Mm -hmm. It's just too important. And uh, when it comes to, if, if you're hiring an agency or a person, but hopefully an agency, something little cross-discipline, they're not necessarily going to know your content. Well, they're not usually, but they can. The right agency will lead you in that direction. Sure. And you just have, I think you referred to it a minute ago. You have all the information you need in your head if you've been doing what you do for any length of time. Yeah. Just think of every single question any 
customer ever asked you, every problem that you ever saw or misunderstanding, those are all opportunities uh, to create content to explain the changes, uh, to explain the process, to explain what people get, the benefits. And it, be, it begins to build your resume on your website or however you're getting it out there so people get to know you without them having to actually talk to you. Yeah. Sound like fundamental marketing stuff? Yeah, absolutely. I think, to, to be clear, there are so many, while you should be creating content for your company from day one, it's, it's not that realistic for a lot of companies. There are so, there's so many other things that you have to worry about that are probably more important, like getting your first customer. It's probably not gonna come from content. It's probably gonna come from your network and from referrals. Mm -hmm. And that's how you're gonna grow. And so I don't think if, you're, if you just started your company this year that you need to go and hire an agency or even hire an in-house marketer right away. If you're able to do it yourself or have your spouse do it or maybe someone in your office do it, that's great. Um, and even making it a part of your culture that your employees post pictures of their work and talk about what they're doing, that's even a, an even better way of executing content because it's real, it's authentic, and it's not costing you a fortune to develop. At the end of the day, if your only source of new business is referrals and repeat customers, and you're really trying to grow, it's not sustainable, and it's not going to help you over the long haul, because you know you you become in this situation where you have a couple projects that finish or repeat customers that you know they end up going elsewhere, and or maybe one of your referral sources starts referring somebody else because something doesn't work out, and all of a sudden you've got no projects. And well, you've I, I agree with you. Inertia referrals, in other words, you're not doing anything. You just, oh my gosh, phone rang today. Right. Not sustainable. I think referrals are sustainable if you cultivate them in market to get them. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. But that's the vast majority of, com of companies that we're talking to right now don't have a referral right. program in, in place. So all that being said, you're deciding to go on this new venture of creating content and diversifying because you've decided that this is the right thing and you're ready to go into content. Um, yeah, it's it's worthwhile, it's hard, but you can create, if you can't do it yourself, go and find a company that will help you do it, an agency. Uh, we help people create great content and we help distribute that content. How do you do and that, repurpose by the that. way, literally? How does that happen? Yeah, so our onboarding process, which we'll have an episode on here soon, uh, not necessarily our process, but for- A good process. A good process for onboarding. For onboarding yeah. um, is pretty extensive, and it involves really three steps. Uh, we go through strategy, through messaging, and then through systems. So during strategy, we're really getting a good grasp on your identity as a company, uh, so that we really understand who you are. We get a really good grasp on who we're targeting, who we're talking to, what they care and about. One company might have five distinct targets. Sure, three. We, we won't or... focus on five. They may have five, but we'll choose usually three that we're focusing on, uh, and we'll do that through ICPs, ideal customer profiles. Oh. And once we know those things, and then we do also do a SWOT analysis to really understand where the opportunities are, what we're really good at as a company, and what we should be, how we should be approaching content. From there, that's whenever we will come up with a, a holistic strategy for just a year to start trying different tactics uh, that will help us achieve our goals 
and then we can tweak and tailor things along the way after experimenting. But you have to be ready to experiment because you don't, you, nobody knows what's going to work and what's not. There's, yeah, there's great tactics out there that work in other industries that maybe work from competitors, but you've, you've got to figure out what really works for you. Um, after we have our strategy down, we really get our messaging down. How are you going to talk to your customers? How are you going to attract leads to come to your business? What are the, the pain points that you're going to address in your content? Uh, how, how, what's your voice going to be? Are you going to be really technical in your language? Because that's what your target audience wants. Are you going to use layman terms? Are you going to speak like they speak? Um, that's what we're getting done in the messaging part. We use several different frameworks for that. Uh, so we create solution statements. We create brand scripts. Um, so once we have the messaging done, then we're creating some systems. So we want to put systems in place so that we can continue to create content in a really consistent manner, uh, a frequent manner, and something that's repeatable, predictable, that we can execute over and over and over again. So if we're sending out newsletters, well, it's creating templates for that newsletter and creating systems for developing that newsletter. If it's uh, social posts, we're creating templates for those social posts and graphics for those social posts, as well as uh, just some basic guidelines that we can follow over and over, and a way of gathering maybe photos from projects that, you, that a company's doing so that we can get photos quickly and then post those photos quickly. Um, if it's you know a podcast, we're setting up systems for recording those podcasts and coming up with ideas for the podcast and for gathering guests for the, con the podcast, et cetera, et cetera. So just creating those systems so that it's easier to create content more predictably, more frequently and consistently over time so that, uh, you know, Creating content isn't just a on a whim thing, but it's a repeatable thing that we can do over and over for a client. Uh, but that's really what we're doing: strategy, messaging, and systems around content, so that we can execute on a regular basis. Um, yeah. So what's the? Uh, and again, this isn't a plug for Benali. It's a it's a how to work with um, an agency. But in your opinion, what's the best structure? And I'm referring to you talked about having an in-house marketing guy, and then. Agency and why I that? think I've mentioned this before on the podcast, but it is 100% of the time always better to have an in-house team over a agency. Now, that's if your team has 100% capacity, which is not always the case. Which means that well, they can do everything or that they've got the time to do everything? What do you mean by both? So like even Coca-Cola will hire an agency because they don't have the capacity for creative right they need to develop new packaging for all of their um you know new line of drink they usually don't have the capacity for the creative side of that they've exhausted all their resources internally and rather than keep everybody in-house for a new product line that may come out once a year they're going to bring on several different agencies to come up with new creative ideas on how to pa uh, design the packaging for that product right so their capacities not 100% in that area. They'll be able to execute a lot of the other things around it, but they're gonna bring in an agency to do those things. So what I mean by that for a contractor, usually it's these big GCs that are gonna have an in-house marketing team. Uh, and when I say in-house marketing team, I mean many different roles, not just an in-house marketer. An in-house marketer can be great for your company if you decide to finally make that first marketing hire. 
but understand that they will need additional resources. It doesn't necessarily mean that they have to hire an agency to supplement themselves, but there's things that they're not going to be able to do, you know, as well as a specialist. Ideally, your first marketing hire is going to be somewhat of a generalist who's going to be able to understand strategy, understand design, understand content, um, and then understand all of the operations of marketing from how to publish, how to um, do A-B testing, how to set up workflows and automation, all those different things. You want a generalist so because you're probably not a generalist in marketing. You want a journalist so they can understand all of that stuff for you. But it's likely that they're going to have to hire a freelance writer to write that article or that guide for you. They're going to have to hire that designer to design the PDF that you want to make or the proposals or the presentations or the graphics for social media. It's very likely that they're going to have to hire a photographer or a videographer. Maybe you're able to find someone who's able to execute on all of those things at a specialist level you're probably pay, paying a premium and you're probably shooting yourself in the foot because if that person leaves, it's going to be really hard to replace them. So ideally in your first hire, you're wanting to hire that generalist. Well, that generalist, if that's what you do and you hire just that generalist, their capacity is not 100% in all of the areas. And so you have to outsource that capacity, either to freelancers, to an agency, um, however you choose to do it, that's probably how you're going to handle it. Now, if you have a really good in-house marketing team, you're going to have all those roles in-house maybe with just some you know maybe you're not doing these crazy drone videos in-house but you have a really good freelancer that you can rely on that can do that over and over for you um, but you're gonna have a majority of your roles in-house that are gonna run things for you and they're always gonna be better than an agency because they are dedicated to your business 100% of the time on the flip side of that you're paying at least three, potentially five or six people's salaries to have that team. And so your overhead expenses are extremely high. And so that's where an agency can be really good to work with because now you're getting a team of specialists. You have people at that agency that are full-time designers, full-time content writers, full-time operations people, full-time strategy people. And when you hire an agency, you're getting access to those things, but you need to be very fractional timeshare. You're getting fractional timeshare essentially, yeah. but you need to be very clear. What you're also buying is their systems and their way of doing things, their processes. You're getting their um, their experience of working in the industry. So whenever you work with an agency, you want to make sure one that they're using their systems, but that they're also kind of tailoring it to you. You don't want to do the exact same thing that your competitors are doing in a different state. Um, but then. Uh, on the flip side of that, you also want to make sure that they fit well with your team and that you're getting access to everybody on the team. It can be pretty common in an agency setting to hire an agency and you get access to an account manager who's your point of contact, but then you never really hear from anybody else. And yeah, things are getting done, but you're not sure how it's getting done and if it's actually tailored to you. It's a good sign when you meet everybody at the agency and you have an email with this person this month and the next month you're working on a project with another person just because you're touching all the different specialists inside of that agency. So, you know, all of this, uh, I don't think I can do it myself. So I think I need to hire somebody, um, can't really afford five people. So on an agency 
and everything you talked about starting to sound really, really expensive, which is always relative. Yeah. But what can I expect? Well, I mean, that probably is the number one it's the number pushback one I get yeah. is that people see marketing as an expense. Not an investment. Not an investment. Right. And if it's an expense, you're not getting a return on it, by all means, knock it off. But what what's the like what what are reasonable expectations? Well, do you have any biggest, stories of somebody like that? Yeah, for sure. I think my biggest recommendation to see it as an investment is that, you know, it's just when I'm, I'm reading The Infinite Game right now by Simon Sinek, and he, uh, he talks about Jack Welch at GE, General mm-hmm. Electric, and how the employees used to go to uh, Jack and say, what's, yeah, we have all these short-term goals. What's the, what's the long-term goal? And Jack used to say that if you take care of the short-term goals, the long-term goals will work themselves out. But that's a terrible approach in my opinion because you, all you're focused on is the short-term gains. And for a CEO, for a business, if you're focused on the short-term, that doesn't always lead to a good long-term. You could be cutting costs in the short-term. I'm glad to hear that you disagree with that because I was gonna say that didn't sound like my thinking either. No. And what, when employees are coming to you, after 100 years, but yeah, but when employees are coming to you asking that, it's because they don't know what the vision is. They don't know where they're going. Yeah. You know, it'd be like if you were going, if I was going on vacation, and I'm your neighbor, and you see me packing up the car, and you're like, "Hey, where are you going? Where are you going?" I'm like, I'm going on vacation. Oh, awesome. Where are you going? I'm going on vacation. And you're like, I haven't, I haven't no, started yet. I, I get that. You're going on vacation, but like, where are you going? Like, well, this sounds like my son in high school. He said, <laughs> asked him what he was doing tonight. He said, I don't know what we're doing until we're doing it. <laughs> but, Not recommended. Yeah. So I, I have to know where I'm going on vacation. And then you ask me, like, well, how are you getting there? Well, and I tell you, oh, we're going to take this highway. We're going on this road. Then we're going to stop here. You know, I can tell you the plan, but I don't necessarily know where I'm going. And that's the same thing that ends up happening with marketing for a lot of companies is that they think about it as an expense because they think about the short-term, short-term sales, short-term gains, and they're not thinking about the vision of their company and where they really want to be. And that's one of the qualifiers that we usually have for clients is do they have a vision for their company and do they really want to reach that vision? Because if they're invested in the long-term, that's a better fit for us. If they just want results in the short-term, we ended up getting into disagreements about little things. They end up getting... You know, we, we try a new tactic for them because we think it'll work and then they get end up getting upset because it didn't work out as much as they planned or they feel like it was a waste of time. And there's so many different cases like that. But if you're invested in the long term, content is super powerful, which is what we're talking about today. But also the systems that you're putting in place will work for the long term, not just the short term. So how much does it cost? Well, looking at it as a long-term investment, look at it like you're hiring. I always like to say, if you're hiring us, look at it like you're hiring a full-time employee. And that's usually what you're about going to be spending. Um, you know, whether it's with another agency on the short end, I wouldn't advise you to work with an agency and spend less than two to $3,000 a month. Uh, on the high end, you know, depending on what your deliverables are, if you're getting like, you know, six campaigns a year or, you know, a a lot of different stuff from an agency on the high end, you're looking between 10, 15,000 a month, but that's just for the labor aspect of it. 
you still have to pay for ads. You still have to pay for printing. Your yeah, printing if you're doing that. Uh, you're also having to pay for software. And so, realistically, just to get started, you know, the three thousand is probably pretty low. I would recommend spending about five thousand a month on the low end. Probably on the average end, you're looking more between eight and nine thousand a month between your labor, your software, your ads, all that kind of stuff. And it absolutely doesn't have to be that expensive if you do it on your own, right? Or if you if you if you're able to figure it out as the owner of your business or somebody on your team that's already there is able to figure that out or you're able to approach it as a team aspect, it does not have to be that much. Uh, but that's that's more realistic what it is. But you know, as rough as it, it's not exactly on point, but it came to my mind. Content is things that you've created, whether it's a video or an article or a right. or a series of photographs or whatever. Once you've created it, you've got it. That's and that's you a, can use that if it's relevant ten years from now. Absolutely. And maybe you update it a little bit, but it's, it becomes a library. Yeah. I, I do that all the time. Come up with topics in coaching environments or maybe in public speaking environments, and I got an article on that. Yep. And I just say, hey, give me your email, and I'll send you the article. I don't have to th rethink it. I don't have to. I've got the examples in there yep. that demonstrate what I'm talking about. I've done the math if it has that kind of stuff in it, and I've got it. And I and I'll have it. Yeah. I don't know when my website will disappear, but but I've got it forever. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think you know when you're playing that long-term game, that that's what's going to end up happening is that you're going to have long-term assets. You know, th this content that you're creating does not, it's not going to go away. Now, there is content that might be seasonal. Maybe you're really creating content around a specific event that's just once. And sure, that is going to go away. But you'll probably be able to recycle it if you decide to do the event again, right? But for the most part, content is a long-term asset in your company. It Unless new technology comes and makes your content irrelevant, it's going to last. You know, we create campaigns. We structure our content campaigns for people. Uh, it's just a fancy way of saying that we make holistic content in many different formats, many different mediums, and for many different channels around a topic. And we cover all the different areas of that topic inside of a campaign model. And we'll do about three a year usually for our average client. But we can recycle those because the content is still good. You know, maybe we'll have to tweak some Unless things. Unless you talked about COVID too much. Sure. You're getting a little sick of COVID content. Yeah, sure, <laughs> sure. That would be an example of not evergreen yeah. content. But most of it can be recycled. We can use, you know, you, you do something around, you know, uh, we have a client that does something around the winter for winterizing your building. Uh, every winter, we use that same campaign. You know, we'll add things to it every year. We'll adjust things. But for the most part, it's the same campaign. And it performs great really rocks in their business. So I think there's some some real powerful things that I want to just give some benefits of for content that this is what you're going to start to see if you will commit to doing content on a regular basis. Again, you're going to want to be relevant. You're going to want to be contextual. You're going to be consistent. Don't just post once to social media and think that it's going to change the world for your business. No, it's got to be consistent. Um, so if you really believe in content, you go after articles, after, um, you know, videos or podcasts, whatever it is, customers are going to start to trust you more. You're going to notice that the leads that you're getting are a little bit warmer. 
that whenever they start talking to you, they've visited your website and read a few of the things and the sale was actually a lot easier, right? It's because they're able to do research with you. Um, but customers will start to trust you more and they're gonna think that you're the expert because you've shared information. It, it, it happens already in your business probably. You go into that sales call and they start asking you questions and they start to trust you more because you answer their questions. Well, content's no different. It's just happening in a different format, a different medium. You're not having that phone call anymore. They're just reading that article on your website or watching that video that you posted to Facebook and be like, wow, he knows what he's talking about. I need to work with that guy. Um, the next thing is that it's gonna help you on SEO, right? Search engine optimization is what that stands for, but whenever you start writing articles, for example, Google's gonna see that. They're gonna see that the keywords that people are looking for are on your website. And then whenever it's really good content and people go to the website and actually spend time on it, Google notices, oh wow, they've got the keywords. People are staying on that website and getting the answers that they need because there's a low bounce rate. Wow, let's send people to that article. And now you start ranking for things that you never ranked for before and you're showing up in search results. So literally people that are in your target audience searching for what you do are finding you you're gonna you're going to get more leads your SEO is very important and content helps with it tremendously con and SEO content is always king um, because of that you're gonna attract new visitors that you wouldn't have reached before right it's not just the word-of-mouth referrals it's not just uh, the friends that are in your network that give you business it's people that you never would have met before that start to come to you and that's a whole new uh, channel for you where now you're diversifying now you're not just reliant on the referrals that are happenstance but you're able to attract people that wow th these are perfect for our business and it's an easy sale and I don't have to give them discounts because they're not in my referral mm -hmm. network where I feel like I have to because I own something um, you're also going to establish your brand you're going to become known for something whenever you create content and people start to engage with it you start to formulate a brand like we're creating all this content for cash flow contractor people have a perception of us they have an image of who the cash flow contractor is maybe it's a terrible one maybe it's a great one but we're establishing our brand every single time we put out a podcast you're establishing your brand every single time you put out a video every single time you post photos every single time that you make an article or whatever it is um, another good thing is that it enables your sales uh, whether you have salespeople whether you um, are doing the sales yourself, it makes it so much easier to sell, not just because you're getting warmer leads, but for the people that were referred to you or you went and did some cold outreach and found some leads, you now have educational materials that you can send to them. All those videos that you posted to your website, now you can send links to them about the questions that you had during that sales conversation. All those articles that are on your website that walk through the process of you know, how to remodel your home or how to uh, you know, solve a problem that your customers have, you can send that to them and it'll work in the background for you. Uh, it'll attract people to your website and then they can poke around from there and look at other content. So it really does enable your sales team to educate uh, buyers. An another thing that people don't realize about content is that when you're creating it, it really makes you think. And by thinking, you're gonna organize your thoughts you're gonna really refine your approach to, thing, to things, you're gonna clarify your processes, you're gonna really solidify that framework that you have for how 
you create, uh, you know, how you redesign kitchens, how you handle plumbing, how, how you do the service that it is that you provide for your customers. And when people can see that, can see a really clear approach that's organized, it makes them feel like they understand how to attack a problem. Uh, really this, good consideration. Uh, this came up the other day with a, with a client whom I'd asked to list 10 common complaints <laughs> and couldn't do it right off, but he was looking for it, so he's paying more attention. Yep. So he heard somebody's complaint because he was paying attention, whereas before he might not have even heard it. Yeah. But hey, I've got to come up with 10 things. You pay attention and you can come up with 10 things. Now, if you've got 10 things, you can work on them yep. and improve them. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, an, another obvious one of, of uh, another obvious power of content is that it generates leads for you. I already talked about it through SEO, but you know, you decide to run a, a social media ad that points to your website, and now there's all this content that people can engage with, they're going to become leads after engaging with that content. Um, another good one is that content really does separate you from your competitors, especially in the construction industry, where not a lot of contractors are taking advantage of content. And, and I'd like to point out, that's not always going to be that way. No, it's there not. Are people catch people it catch on up. all the time, so it's one of those things that yeah. kind of you want to claim the space, go get it. And by the way, if you're two years ahead, and you're and you get good at it. You're going to always be ahead. You're always they're, they're it's gonna, not people easy are going to look up. at you. And go, how the hell did they do that? Yeah, I mean, there's there's always these guys that you're. Everyone listening right now thinks of one of their competitors or somebody maybe nationally or internationally in their space in that in their industry that they go to their website and they're just like, oh my gosh, how do they do this? Like, yeah. they're a massive company. They this is incredible. And it's because at one point in time they decided, they started. I'm gonna I'm gonna start yeah. taking content serious, and they've continued to build and build, and it's developed into these long-term assets that are very impressive, that separate them from the competition, and really help them to stand out as the expert in their industry. You know, I'm gonna uh, ambush you with this question. Yeah, because people ask it all the time. But when can I expect to see a return? <laughs> Well, it depends on what your return is, and that's why we brought up the short-term versus long-term, you know, approach earlier. Uh, just like with anything, you know, you've you've got to start somewhere, and then you've got to figure out what's going to work. And so that's what you're really dealing with. Like whenever we're working with a client, we've got about a three-month onboarding process just to get through all those things I talked about earlier inside of strategy, messaging, and systems. And then once we do, they have a hook in the water during that time, or yeah, there's absolutely there's absolutely some small, some low hanging fruit, some quick right. wins that you can take care of. Like maybe their Google My Business wasn't set up and they had no reviews on it. Right. Well, let's go set that up really fast and get some and reviews. then get some quick reviews, yeah. and that should help us in our listings on Google My Business, and we'll see something from that. Yeah, we can go and start some Google ads because they've never done them before. Yeah, that's a really quick win. Hey, there was never a call to action on the website. Let's go and add one. Hey, they never had a Facebook account before or a LinkedIn account or whatever it is. Let's go and create that and start posting to it. Those are some quick wins, but those in themselves, unless you were doing absolutely nothing before, aren't going to lead to the long-term results that you're desiring. And so once you go, we go through that onboarding process, it takes another three months usually 
to really refine things and figure out what tactics work. And then we can start to start getting some results. Uh, and it, it's different for everybody. You know, the, the more niche of an industry that you're in, it, you know, you have, it can shoot you in the foot sometimes as far as content goes, because if nobody's looking for that type of content, it, it's really hard to make something that people are actually going to, it's going to resonate with them. On the flip side of things, you know, sometimes you're making that kind of content and it's super niche and nobody really is looking for it. It's 100% sales. If they are, they do it. But if they are looking for it and you're the only one there, that could, and it, usually when you're in those kinds of industries, they tend to be higher paying clients. Uh, and so you could find that million dollar account just from writing that article that only had 20 views. But mm -hmm. the one person that viewed it was well, really... Then, you know, all the articles I've written, I have quite a number of customers, or cl customers, clients I've never met. Yeah. And they schedule a time on my website. They just pop up. I don't, you know, I'm looking at my calendar and go, what's that? Yeah. And the, the neat thing about it is business coaching is a complex operation. Um, not so much, it's not physics or math or anything. It's just people don't know what it is. How does it work? And when people find my site, read my content and make a call to me, yeah, I've never not signed them up. Yeah, I'm trying to think if that's true and it is. I've never not signed somebody up who went that far. The way I look at it is they've read my content, they've watched things, they kind of have an idea who I am and by the time they call me, all I can do is blow it. They're already convinced. Yeah. And so in a half hour call, we close the deal. We have every time so far. So I guess I'm pretty consistent with what you see yeah. on my website. Well, it's different for every business. You know, like if you're a service contractor and you're, you're a plumber, it's way more important for you to have some Google ads, some local SEO, your Google My Business to be rocking and, um, you know, some really easy calls to action on your website for scheduling an appointment or a service call or an inspection or whatever it is, and for your phone number to be prominent, and you need to get some phone calls and schedule some appointments. Content can help, but those are the primary things. And then the content that you focus on is really good reviews, really good testimonials. Mm -hmm. um, you know, maybe you make some videos that go out on Facebook and on Instagram uh, that drive awareness about plumbing problems, maybe to get in front of realtors uh, so that you can be the one that does the inspection whenever homes are being sold or purchased, all those kinds of things. That's where you really want to focus your energy as far as marketing goes. Now, if you've got longer sales processes, not like a plumber who's, they're getting a call, they're going out that day or the next day to go and do that um, service call. If you've got, if you're maybe a remodeling contractor, it is a longer purchase decision. It is a longer buying process for someone to remodel their kitchen. That's where content really can do a lot of work. To educate. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. So it, it's different for everybody. Like hiring a business coach, for example, it's not something that you're getting a call and that and you start that day, typically. It's something that they're trying to do some research on who you are as a business coach and, and so on and so forth. what the heck is business coaching? Let me ask you a question that comes up, uh, especially since we're directing most of our conversation toward contractors, manufacturers. Yeah. If I'm a contractor and I'm I'm a sub, and all I do is work for GCs, yeah, and uh, it's a bid deal. I mean, I've heard that many times. I don't need no damn marketing. It's the only marketing I need is the lowest number. What? How can 
or can marketing and content and and uh, everything we've been talking about for people who are maybe B to C, how how can that if is that even necessary uh, for yeah. for somebody who's just working with GCs on a bid basis? Absolutely. You may not see the results that a remodeling contractor, for example, that goes directly to homeowners will receive that we'll see like GCs aren't going to start filling out forms on your website to say, oh, yeah, let's talk, you know, but if you're putting updated photos of recent projects you did and the challenge that you solved, the process that you went through and what the ultimate solution was, uh, if you're putting that on your website as someone who's targeting GCs, a GC will look at your website if they're choosing on bids. GCs aren't just looking for the lowest bid. They're looking for who can do it the best on time, on budget, and who's realistic, who's trustworthy, who's going to communicate with them. And so your brand says a lot about those things. It's like your first impression. If you walked in to, onto the job site with flip-flops and a tank top and sunglasses and said, hey guys, how's it going? The GC is going to be like, who, who are you and why are you on this job site? You know, But if you show up in a nice truck that's clean, you look presentable, you've got your hard hat on, and you've got your clipboard, and you're watching over your crews, they're going to feel much better and confident about who you are because that's the first impression that you're giving, right? Same thing with your website, with your social media, with all of your content. If it's really nice and polished, if it's very engaging and helpful, and contextual and educational uh, in nature, it's it's really going to play a, a role in their decision as to what bid they go with. Um, another aspect of that is you're not, as a business owner, it's not just your customers that you care about. It's also your employees and your team. And whenever you have invest in content, you are more attractive to future employees, which labor is always an issue for finding the right people, but also you're going to feel more proud about your business, about handing out your business card at the events when people look you up. You're going to get more referrals because people are going to see you on social media and all of a sudden you're added to a bid list. And all of a sudden, you know, someone recommended you that you've never even met, right? And then lastly, your employees are going to feel a lot more confident and, and uh, proud to work at the company that they work for because they're represented adequately online and Whenever they tell their friends who they work for, they go and see the website and it rocks. But I've heard from more than one company that we work with that works with GCs prior, primarily that they've won a bid because their marketing looked so much better than the competition. Professional. Yeah. yeah. So I, I want to go through some quick frameworks. If someone is out there that is looking to do this on their own, how they can go about creating content. Um, and this would probably be a good thing to end on, but there's three frameworks that I want to give that are actually pretty easy to follow. So I'm going to start with the hardest one and then I'll move to the easiest. The hardest one is just creating long form content. That's what Martin and I are doing right here. We're creating these podcasts that are you know an hour long. We're talking in depth about a topic. And when we create that, we spend this hour, hour and a half creating this episode but it allows us to create a lot of short form content. So we have this long form episode, we're gonna break it down into little bite-sized pieces that are in different mediums. Maybe it'll be something that's on Instagram, maybe it's something. Literally, that, that's how we'll promote this podcast. Exactly, yeah, we'll <clears throat> post it onto 
to Facebook or onto LinkedIn. We'll take a clip of this video and send it out. But because we spent this hour and a half creating this long form, then members of our team can go and do short form uh, mm -hmm. versions of this content that then references back to the long form. And it really, we've just, by doing this hour and a half, we've re really created a lot more than that in content because uh, it turns into social media posts and articles and guides and resources and all these different things. So that's probably the most difficult, not because the long form's hard. You can sit down with one of your salespeople or a, a customer and do a long form content, but it, creating that short term or short form content takes a lot of energy. You've got to have the right tools, you've got to have the right skill sets to be able to write articles and to clip videos and make graphics and all that kind of stuff. So that's why I say that's the longest, but it could be a really good use case if you do hire that full-time marketer, you find that agency that specializes in creating short form content based on long form content. It can be a really great way for you to start your endeavor on content. Or maybe you just hire that social media person. You say, hey, I'm gonna make four long form contents a month where I'm just making a video or doing a podcast, whatever it is, and then I need you to go and do something special with it. That can be uh, as simple as just recording something that nobody yeah. intends to actually use what you just said, but you talk for an hour and somebody's got to pull things out of there. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's sometimes what we've done with people where they just, they have you know a lot of windshield time driving it from job to job, and they'll just record an hour of them talking about three different topics. And they're just talking about how they approach this problem in, on a job site or whatever it is. And then we'll go and we'll make content around it. Um, so that's a, that's a good model, but it is a little bit more difficult nature to actually execute on, on the back end side of things primarily, not the actual recording of the long form content. The next model is a pillar model. Um, and what I mean by so we got long form, short form, and a pillar model. Well, the long form model of or framework of approaching content takes into consideration that hey, I'm going to start with the long form and then break down into short. Right. So with the pillar model, you're really choosing some pillars that you can talk about. What are the primary things that you can focus on that will resonate with your audience and that you feel like you are well knowledgeable on and you can talk about for ages. These are the types of things that you know you talk about during a sales process because your customer brings it up and because you know it front and back. So if I were a pool builder, something that I might really love to talk about is the difference between uh, material types. That would be a pillar. So material types is one of my pillars. And then I can also talk about pool types, right? And then another pillar would be uh, the construction process of pool building, right? So right there, I have three pillars that I can talk about. And so when it comes to going and executing on that, I'm choosing whatever medium, if it's if I feel really comfortable writing articles or writing LinkedIn posts, or if I feel really comfortable jumping on video and talking about these things, I'm always gonna be talking about these pillars in some form or another, right? Maybe I'm, if it's around the material pillar as a pool builder, maybe I'm talking about the highest end materials and why they are so expensive. Uh, maybe I'm talking about the cheapest materials and why they suck. Maybe I'm talking about this brand versus that brand. Maybe I'm talking about the ideal setup for the, you know, for the ideal setup on a budget for a pool as far as materials go. Um, maybe I'm talking about material shortages right now with COVID. But in some way, 
or another, I'm talking about that pillar of, ma of materials. I can always go back to it. And it's, again, something else to clarify with content, you don't have to come up with something new and groundbreaking every single time you make content. And that's a huge obstacle for a lot it of people. It really is. You just, if you find something that resonates, keep going, finding a, a, a different way to say it or restate it over and over again. Um, but that's really the pillar model is just, okay, I know what my pillars are. Anytime I go to make a piece of content, I'm going to focus on those pillars. And then you become known for the expert on materials, the expert on construction processes, the expert on pool building, whatever it is, uh, because you've just focused on those pillars and you've said it over and over and over again over the course of months and years, it really starts to pick up and resonate with people. So that's the pillar model. It's a little bit easier than the long form because instead of you just making the long form and then creating all this short form content, you're just focusing the pillars and you're going right to the channel that you want to be on and just creating. Um, and you can also obviously do both of these models at the same time. You can do a long form uh, version or long form framework and focus on pillars at the same time, but it's just on how you want to approach mm -hmm. it. The last one that is probably the easiest for contractors is a document framework. So I don't know if you guys have ever watched vloggers on YouTube or if you've uh, seen a documentary on Netflix, but if you watch a documentary on Netflix, typically what's happened, like I think Kevin Hart did one recently where he did a, doc, a docu-series, five episodes uh, of Kevin Hart. And all it is is there's a camera crew that follows Kevin around for one of his tours where he goes internationally to perform his, his comedy tour. And then there's a series of obstacles that come up during the, the tour where they miss the plane or uh, somebody gets stuck at the hotel or uh, the kid breaks his leg. There's something that happens during the process that is interesting and they make as an episode in the out of that out of that and it they have the content there because they were documenting another a really easy way that contractors can do this is you're on the job site in the morning take a video of what you guys are working on right and when a problem arises you know that you're going to so solve we, it when you're you talking document that's a verb not Absolutely. talking about a document we're talking about yeah it's a verb get in the hat it's a much easier habit to to create, you don't have to worry about what you're gonna focus on. It could just be, hey, here we are putting on another roof. Here's some hail damage. Here's where the tree hit the house. Here's the leak and why, where it's causing issues. You know, here's our team taking stuff off, and you're just constantly documenting what you're doing, and then people can see what you're doing, mm -hmm. and then they're gonna know that you're the expert. Or, hey, just got off of this sales call and I had this question. Here's the answer to it. That's you documenting, you know? And I would say that the best way of documenting is on video. It's really hard to sit there and just, you know, write things as they happen because it takes a lot of time. But if you're a really good writer and you can write fast as stuff happens, sure, document the questions that you get and the answers to them. Uh, document the new process that you developed for your business. Document the crazy job that you guys just did and the crazy solution that you found to the really hard challenge. Um, but for the most part, it's gonna happen through video. Uh, it might happen through images with text. Maybe you take a picture of the work that you just did and write a little description about it. Um, and you can mix it up. You don't have to just choose one way. You can go back and forth between the, the different mediums. But those are the three frameworks that I would follow if I were a contractor. I think the easiest one is to document 
It's going to be very authentic. It's going to be very real, very tailored and unique to your business. Um, but it's also probably the hardest as or the hardest to sustain it's, over the long term. Yeah. So you have long form, short form, or long form pillar and document. Yep. Uh, no, sorry, long form pillars and and document. The short form just falls underneath. Oh, okay. Form. It's just part of. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So the long form is. I, I kind of was probably um, confusing there. Document is probably the easiest to get started. That's just record what but you're doing. But it is the hardest to sustain because you have to continue to do it over yeah. and over. But if you make it a habit, it's not that bad. On the long form side, it's the hardest to start probably because you've got to create all the systems around it and you've, you've got to figure out how to break it into short form and where to post, when to post, how to post, all that stuff. But once you figure it out, that's where the long form can just be used almost Supply. like in that campaign model. It's, yeah. it's always there. You're always going to be, back, be able to refer back to it, to recycle it, all that kind of stuff. So um, it, it's, it's harder to get started, but easier over the long run. Document is easier to get started, harder to continue over a long term. GoPro. Yeah, GoPro. Get a GoPro camera and put it on your shoulder everywhere you go. Yeah, it's a, it's a great way to do it. So content is very powerful. It's not the right solution for people when they're just getting started to determine that's where they're going to get all their business as far as a con contractor goes. In some industries, it is the way to get started. Um, and unless you have a very strategic move that you're doing to get started, like we did that for a company once and it worked really well, but they were, it was a new business that they were starting uh, and it was nationally, they were trying to go national with it. So it didn't matter, it wasn't local. Um, you know, it was a great way to, to execute. Uh, but if you just, if you haven't even proved that you can do business yet, go and just get some jobs and do mm -hmm. them, you know, and then start creating content over time. But when's the best time to start content? Yesterday. Yeah. 20 years ago. 20 years ago. Before. The second best time right now. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's true. It's definitely, it's definitely worth it. It has a huge impact. I am, I mean, I can just hear people's brains rattling out there. Man, how am I going to do that? And it's, um, it, as I've said before, if you're predisposed and you enjoy that stuff and you like to take videos on your iPhone of your jobs and all those, then by all means do it. If not, get help. Yeah. It's too important to just let it go by the wayside. And competent help's gonna lead you through it. But if you can't do it yourself, you still have to do it. Yeah. You have Absolutely. to see that it's done. Absolutely. So yeah, content's powerful and I hope that people will get started. And if you have questions, reach out to us at the cash flow contractor, reach out to us at Benali, B E N A L I dot com. You can find all those things in the show notes. Um, but yeah, start using content in your business, start documenting, start knowing what your pillars are and finding a way to create content for your business. Um, yeah, if you've liked this episode, let us know, share this episode with your friends, coworkers, family. If you want clarification, family. send us some questions. Yeah, if you want clarification, send us some questions, but we appreciate your support for following the Cashflow Contractor, uh, listening to our episodes. It's, uh, it's humbling to know that we're at 80 episodes now and Something like that. And over seven listeners. <laughs> Way over seven. Yeah. So we appreciate your support. And uh, yeah, Martin, we'll, we'll be talking more. Okay, sir. All right. See Next you. time.
Thanks for listening to The Cashflow Contractor. Check out our website in the show notes or visit thecashflowcontractor.com.